Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, everybody. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite. Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors presented by FMG Suite. Today, we'll be speaking with Kristen Burke, a goal achievement coach. Kristen collaborates with leaders to help them maximize their potential and achieve their definition of success. In today's podcast, the first thing you're going to learn about is how to set goals. More than likely, you're doing them wrong. I know I was. Kristen talks about setting an intentional goal with a vision for 10 years in the future, then supporting it with professional, personal, fitness, family, and financial goals. Really good stuff. Kristen and I end the podcast with an important discussion on diversity in the workplace. We talk about how she works with leaders who want to build diverse teams, and she shares some insights about working with various clients. So take a listen. Kristen has a wealth of information to share about setting goals that will cause you to pause and reflect. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Spread the word. Kristen, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here with you. I'm excited to connect and share some insight for your listeners. Ah, good stuff. Well, give us a give us a quick intro on yourself and give us a high level understanding of about your work and your work with people and 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 that that phrase goal achievement coach. That's the key one for me. That's what I like. I like the goal achievement coach, not the goal pursuer oh. coach, not the goal oh. trier coach, the goal achiever coach. Exactly, because so many of us set goals, but it's an entirely different process and perspective to achieve your goals. So I can elaborate on that in just a moment. Uh, good, some good. background on, on myself. So I am born and raised in the Midwest. So I'm now in Los Angeles. I've been a West Coaster now for over a decade, but a Midwesterner at heart. And I am married to my high school sweetheart, Joe. So we have literally been together over two decades, and we have a vivacious seven-year-old daughter, Scarlett. (laughs) I spent uh, a little over a decade working in a financial services firm, and I I held a variety of different roles in that organization. I started my career as a marketing and a PR intern, and I rose through the ranks, and I ended my career as our senior director of development, where I was coaching around 50 different financial advisors at that time. So I went into my business. I launched my business as a goal achievement coach with over a decade of coaching experience. And I am incredibly passionate, as you mentioned, about helping people maximize their potential and achieve their definitions of success. And when I thought about my business and what I want to help people do is I want to help people get super clear on their goals and what's important to them and what they want to achieve. And once they have that level of clarity, I then help them build their confidence and their courage so they can consistently make progress in the direction of their goals and ultimately achieve their goals. Gotcha. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, listeners, um, I suggest you take a minute and check out Kristen's website at kristenburke.com. That's Burke, B-U-R-K-E. 
if you want, and if you want to learn how to create some call to action for your website, you should study Kristen's site because at my count, she has at least four on her homepage. And there, Kristen, there's just so many ways to get in touch with you and so many different angles. Uh, many of our uh, uh, website uh, builders, owners, they they struggle with that concept about making it easy to interact through a website. But it seems like you've got that uh, down quite quite nicely. Well, I appreciate that, and I have to give credit where credit is due. So I was able to collaborate with an incredible designer from Be Bold Design Studio. And Macy, the owner of Be Bold Design Studio, helped me out with my website and made sure that I had a couple of different call to actions. And then as my business has grown, we've added to my website. So I, I have a blog, which has a lot of different ideas around goal setting, goal achieving. And then I also have the link to my personal podcast, which is Elite Achievement. And I have episodes that come out twice a month. Oh, nice. Nice. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's start off with a broad question, but one that will help our listeners get a better idea how you work with financial professionals. How do you help people set and prioritize goals? I think most professionals know how important it is to set goals, but they struggle with how articulating them and, and what they want to achieve. How do you help people turn those ideas into action? I, you know, I, I look, I, you know, I, Every year on my birthday, I create smart goals, um, mm -hmm. but I'm, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm probably your typical advisor who sets the goals, doesn't really do a great job of measuring them, can't articulate them, don't do too much goal achievement, uh, you know, definition of success, all those kind of things. As I, as I went through this, I'm like, mm, those are all things I should do better. Oh, well, I'm super excited to dive into all of these questions. And this is my jam. This is the work that I love to do. So I believe that our goal setting should start with intentional visioning. So my question to you is, do you have a long-term 10-year vision that excites you and lights you up? Mm, no. That's where I think we start with very intentional goals today if we have them connect to a long-term vision. Now, I, I've heard it all. I've heard, I don't know what my life is going to look like 10 years from now. I get it. None of us have a crystal ball, at least that I know of. I, I don't have this crystal ball yet where we can all accurately project forward and say, this is exactly what my life is going to look like 10 years from now. But the power of going through that long-term vision exercise is you start to build a roadmap. And as you start to build this roadmap, you are going to grow in different directions, take different risks, take on different projects, work with new clients, and all of a sudden you're moving in a completely different direction and your goals today have so much more meaning. And that's not to say that your vision won't change because I believe as you grow and develop as a professional or as a financial advisor, that vision is likely going to evolve. But if you want to get really good at setting goals and prioritizing goals, I believe it starts with vision. Gotcha. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Setting that 10-year vision. Because my next question kind of is uh, right behind that saying, how do financial professionals stay connected with these goals? How do, how do, they, how do they create the shorter term goals, let's say three, six months and have annual goals and then connect them to their 10-year goals? How do, you, how do you keep those connected? Yes. So once you have your long-term vision, there are three other steps that I believe to be critical 
and staying connected to your goals. So you start with your long-term vision, which is the dream. It's the legacy you're building. It's the reason why you're doing the work that you're doing. It's the life you want to build, the practice you want to build, the clients you want to serve. Then the second part is to walk yourself through a very strategic reflection of where your business is today. What are the strengths in your business? What are the problems in your business? What are the opportunities? What are the threats? Where are you excelling? Where are you falling behind? What do you do really well that other advisors in your firm aren't doing? So you walk yourself through these very intentional reflection questions, which if you do that, will help you start to see what some of your opportunities and some of your goals should be for the rest of the year. So once you've reflected, then you're at a position where you can start to brainstorm your goals. And I love starting with a blank canvas and having different pillars. So I believe we should have professional goals, personal goals, family goals, financial goals, health and fitness goals. Some people choose to have faith goals. Some people have other types of goals, relationship goals or or family. I already said that. uh, Friendship goals. So you start with these different pillars and you start to brainstorm. What are all the potential goals you could set for yourself in those various pillars? And and give yourself a couple of days to do that. You don't have to get the brainstorming done in one 10-minute session, right? I think sometimes Mm -hmm. financial professionals are like, oh, it's the annual goal setting time in my office. I got to get this done. Some of this is a process where if you get yourself in the right mindset, it might take a couple of days or even a week to really brainstorm, but you start writing down all these things that excite you, that energize you, that you want to go after. And then after you've done all the brainstorming, you can go back and look at each pillar and ask yourself, what's the most meaningful goal? So out of all these that I listed, what's the goal that's really going to start making progress in the direction of my long-term vision? So I, I worked myself through this process. And when I thought about my business and what I wanted to build as a goal achievement coach, yes, I want to coach people. Yes, I want to help people have their achieve their goals. But if I'm going to build a huge brand where people achieve the goals that they set, I have to go bigger than one-on-one individual clients. And so part of my goal setting and achieving last year was launching my podcast. You know, you host a podcast. It's not an easy, it's not an easy task to, to, to take on. And there's a lot of steps and a lot of commitment and a lot of time and a lot of prep for interviews. But the podcast, my podcast is part of a bigger picture vision, and that's sure. what gives it so much more more meaning. And once you've brainstormed and really identified that most meaningful goal, then you can go to work and create a plan. And that's where I know from my work with a lot of financial professionals, there are no shortage of goals, right? Financial advisors, they might want to be top in their agency. They might want to achieve million-dollar roundtable. They might want to be the highest new client writer. There, there are tons of goals they can go after. A lot of financial advisors lack the plan and the how-to and making those goals a reality. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, as you talked about those, those brainstorming goals and professional, personal, family, fitness, financial, um, mm-hmm. I had never thought of those in that type of terms. And I've done a lot of goal stuff with your smart goals and all the different types of goals that come through. But wouldn't wouldn't it, it is it intuitive for people to think that they need to break goals down in those types of categories? Or do they just think that ah, I'm just going to come up with goals, just one big clump of goals? I think it's the second people come up with one big clump of goals or they think, oh, mm, yeah. I need to have goals in the office, right? I need to have my professional goals. But Wow, if you're really achieving 
outside of work, you bring that energy with you into the office. So for example, if you set a goal to run a marathon, uh, I've run eight. I know it's a, it's a little crazy. Uh, I'm more, wow. I'm more into yoga these days. Like I'm not, I'm not as big of a runner these days, but every time I was training for a marathon, I had this mindset and that mindset helped me show up differently when I came to work. I, I mean, there were some days I'd go to the office and I had already run 10 or 12 miles before I started working. I'm on fire when I step into that office. So I really believe that our goals can start to work together to support one another. And if you start achieving in one area of your life, it can boost your confidence to achieve in another area. Gotcha. Okay. That's good. Uh, that's, that's good. I, I think the notion of breaking them down into different categories and then how the goals can support each other. That's great stuff. Good stuff. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears. I'm gonna uh, switch uh, switch gears and talk about uh, goal setting during the past year. Um, you know, it uh, financial professionals really were in a position where they had to reinvent how they work with their existing clients and prospect for new clients. You know, little did we think. You know, when we went home for the pandemic, we thought it was going to last two, three weeks, and right. here we are. Here, here we are, twenty plus months later, uh, still working at it. Um, so, what, you know, what worked before had to be modified or updated to fit the pandemic world. Uh, now that we're trending in a more favorable direction with COVID, COVID, how will goal setting change in the months and years to come? How 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 will that kind of interact with it? And and and, and really kind of also that notion of did did COVID force clients to rewrite goals and give up on goals? Mm-hmm. COVID absolutely shook things up for all of us, didn't it? And uh, I remember when, when everything first started happening, I, I, like you, thought, oh, a couple weeks and we'll be back to normal. And really, uh, COVID has given us a chance to redefine what normal is. And so a lot of my clients in the financial services industry had to explore the notion that the only way to be a good financial advisor is if you're meeting with your clients in person. And that completely got flipped on its head where things have now become virtual. And what this has done, it has opened up the way that financial advisors can connect with their clients. And of course, there are licenses across states that are required, but you can now be a financial advisor here in California and have clients on the East Coast and everything can be done virtual. And so it's really expanded in advisors' outreach. It has also encouraged advisors to think differently about how to spend their time. And this is one of the challenges some of my clients are facing right now is they've gone from an environment where keeping three or four client-facing meetings a day was a good job. Well, now with things being so much more virtual, they're able to keep seven or eight meetings on the calendar, and now they're feeling burnt out. So yeah. it's it's encouraging us to figure out what is that new number of appointments that's going to be the right number to achieve your goals. Because a, a lot, and I'm going to overgeneralize here, but a lot of financial advisors tend to be achievement oriented. Um, it, it's an industry where if you like setting big goals and, and if you're a little competitive and if you if you want to excel, you tend to do really well. And so because the boundaries of meeting with people in person have now been removed, some advisors are really, really, really challenged with that balance of how many do I keep and when do I call it quits and when do I when do I turn off work. But 
A lot of my clients last year, and myself included as a business owner, were really unsure at the beginning. What does this mean? What's going to happen? How is this going to work? And then what I saw happen with a lot of my clients is that they were able to really work differently and use the time to work from home with different... Now, this isn't true for everyone, right? Because I understand that there were some people that were homeschooling and different challenges were present. But for some clients, it was really a huge opportunity to take advantage of the work from home situation. And they were able to grow their businesses tremendously. And and they rewrote their goals to actually increase their goals because they were ahead of pace from where they thought they would be. Fascinating. Fascinating. I think the... Um, uh... It, that that's a good segue into my next one, which is uh, the next idea I want to explore, which is what were some of the most effective ways you saw financial professionals grow their practice in the past year? How did, how did they, was it something they, they, they did a practice they undertook or was it, uh, did they, um, did they kind of keep falling into rewriting goals and setting and achieving these short-term goals and success built on success? I think one of the things that came out of last year is an embrace with technology, which not only changes the way that financial advisors met with their clients. We've already, we've already talked a little sure, bit about right. that, but also the idea that financial advisors could start to build a brand and a presence for themselves online. I, I saw a lot of advisors show up more frequently on social media platforms such as Instagram or LinkedIn, where they were able to start connecting with clients through social channels, which a couple of years ago, that that was not as much the case. A lot of the financial services industry uh, would rely on the organic word of mouth referral. And I think that what has happened is it's become an and. There's absolutely a benefit to getting and gathering those organic referrals and introductions from clients. But there's also a huge opportunity to leverage technology and platforms to get in front of the people that really energize you. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. It certainly does. You know, we uh, um, one of the one of the recurring themes over the past year has been that uh, COVID gave advisors, gave financial professionals, gave reps the really a, a technology amnesty card that they could play. They could, they could upgrade their technology and say, yeah, well, you know, we had to because of COVID and it, uh, and there, and there were really no questions asked about, were you behind? Were you ahead? Were where were you? It was all kind of done under a COVID cover. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because in the, in the past, it didn't need to be that way. You could still grow your business using telephone calls and in-person meetings and, and go into the networking events, but those, those changed so right. much last right. year. So right. it really, it really helped people think differently. And I, I think think bigger about how to grow their businesses. Right. Yeah. And, it, uh, you know, and talking to advisors too, that, you know, they, part of their practice years ago was they would call and leave messages and then follow up with people. Uh, mm-hmm. But during COVID, they would call and the people would answer their phone. They would be there. People it had time to there. plan. People <laughs> had time to plan. People had time yes. to plan. It was, it was a bit, a bit more, uh, advisors weren't used to that when they started. So they had to kind of rewrite how they approached conference client calls. But now I am starting to hear it's getting back to the way that it used to be. So, and, and so it, it's another change and another pivot. And I'm especially hearing this for leaders of firms when it comes to recruiting. 
where last year recruiting was different because there was a, a pool of talent that they were open to take a new conversation, open to take an interview, open to take a meeting because they were home. Their boss wasn't going to walk in and, and hear them exploring a new opportunity. And there were so many industries that were just wrecked with COVID. So there was this new pipeline of talents and people. And so recruiting last year was different. And now I'm finding that some leaders are having the struggle and the challenge because they're like, wait a minute, what's wrong with my recruiting or my skill set? Well, it's not that it's worth, it's just a different people have gone back to work and other companies are hiring. So it's a more competitive market for recruiting. So I'm hearing that quite often. And then I'm also hearing from individual advisors that it's becoming more difficult to get in touch with people again as as people start to travel and and sure, um, right. lives you know uh, activities start to pick back up and people go back into the office they're not as readily as readily available to answer their their phone calls. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it. Uh, um, so so picking up on that kind that that concept there, we we talked about some of the most effective ways that they grew their business in the past year. Do you see those those do you see those changing? Do you see advisors who who really relied on those social channels? Do you see them ultimately backing away from those, going towards other things, or do you think this? Uh, do you think patterns have been changed and people just prospect in a different way, or or really are, is it is it kind of time will tell? I guess at this point, you know, I think I'm going to simplify the answer to this question, and I'm going to answer it with it's all about consistency. Mm-hmm. So whether an advisor chooses to go back to traditional prospecting, asking for referrals, lean into social media, it's about being consistent. It's about making the choice to show up and do it over and over again. And that's where I've seen advisors get a ton of success. Mm-hmm. And look, I've also seen and I've studied a lot of uh, numbers and, and ratios and conversions from initial client conversations to client. And if an advisor is choosing to focus heavily on social media, I think it's a little bit of a longer term uh, play, but it ultimately it's about consistency. I think that's one of the biggest challenges advisors face is specifically around prospecting, specifically around growing their business. And they often just don't give themselves enough opportunities at bat. Gotcha. Okay, good. I think that's uh, uh, very true. Consistency is uh, something that yeah, you we hear quite a bit, but uh, it's great to underscore the fact that you just can't make a cameo into social media and think you're some right. an, an influencer. Uh, it's got to be a commitment, and it's got to be something that is going to uh, uh, continue and repeat. Yes, I mean, okay. look, I know I'm not in the financial advising space, but I run a business where I acquire clients, and I've been relatively active on social media for about six months. And it is it's doing a lot of really positive things in terms of building a community and helping me connect with my clients and potential future clients. But I'm not getting a bunch of sales coming off of the Instagram DMs right now. So All right, right. It takes some time. And, and that's, I, I think, a truth that's really important to put out there is like anything, it takes a while to build, uh, especially for these advisors. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's yeah. uh, that is true too. You, uh, the, the, the advisors are always balancing, uh, developing, becoming an influencer, marketing with actually generating business. So it's uh, that that consistency comes back again. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, I wanted to I wanted to to take the last uh, ten minutes or so of our podcast here and uh, talk about first about um, about women in financial services and then talk about diversity in financial services. So, yes. first question out is uh, one of your initiatives as a coach is empowering women in their careers, uh, and the financial services industry historically is a male dominated field. How do you see women growing in their ranks? How do you see, how do you see this? changing or uh, have, have, have we come through a change? Should we expect more of a change? How, how do you see the playing field? I think we should expect more of a change. I think we're really starting to see some growth and momentum in this area. And I, I have a feeling that it's going to continue and it's going to intensify. And I, I work with a lot of women who are in the financial services industry. And it's not uncommon for me to hear, I was the first woman in my office to achieve X, or I was the first woman in my office to have a baby, or I was the first woman to, it, which is mind boggling because it's 2021, what, what's going on here? But I, I think that there's a, a couple of factors at play when it comes to women uh, excelling in the financial services industry. and. One is it's a huge opportunity for women to learn to trust themselves and believe that they can. And look, I can speak from experience here, right? As a woman, the number of times where I limited my own confidence or the stories I told myself, the beliefs I had, it just, it's like sometimes we as women can get in our own ways. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there's a huge opportunity for more mentorship and more sponsorship to help women excel in the financial services industry. So it's definitely an and, right? I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, it's it's all women like the way that we think. That's certainly not the case. There are definitely some cultural challenges at play that can hinder women's abilities to excel in the financial services industry. But I just think it's so important, Mike, to start off and say like women, we, we, can own um, how we think and what we believe and the stories that we tell ourselves. And I have found that women can absolutely excel in the financial services industry with the way that they can connect and build relationships and do incredibly meaningful work for the clients. And it's, it's about helping them truly believe they can and trust their own intuition. Gotcha. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, you know, you never, uh, it's, how true is that where you hear about, uh, I, I was the first woman in my office who did this. I was the first woman who did this. Uh, you, you know, you, in this industry, you don't get that too often with men saying such, such a similar type of thing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and that can be tough too, right? Because sometimes as women, we want to see other women who've done it. And so it, it can be exhausting to always be that trailblazer. But I think that's what's energizing is that there are more and more women that are becoming the first or there are more women that are willing to um, reach their hand down and mentor and help other women excel in the business. And I think that's going to just continue to grow a lot of momentum. 
Gotcha. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So let's. I want to switch it over. I want to. I want to end the podcast with a quick discussion on diversity. Um, there was a recent FDIC study that showed that ninety percent of financial institutions have a diversity officer, which was interesting to me. And what was doubly interesting is how it had grown since two thousand and sixteen. You, I've seen a lot of studies just about the importance and about firms moving in this direction, but really hadn't seen it really surface in in a title in a position when when you're working with people on goal setting how do you approach them uh how do you approach questions that come up on diversity how do you how do you coach leaders who want to build more diverse teams how does how does it all fit great question and a really important conversation topic and the first question that i want to explore with a leader who wants to grow a diverse team is why why does that leader want to grow a diverse team? And because like you mentioned, there is an increase in diversity officers. There's an increase in focus. And uh, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful when I get the opportunity to connect with a leader who wants to grow a diverse team to better serve the marketplace, to be more reflective of the clients. And, and that that intentionality, I think, can help that leader achieve his or her goal in growing a diverse team. And then I think it's important to talk about seeking to understand. And this is one of the things that I'll work on a lot with my leaders who are clients and They'll be describing situations with advisors and and so often we'll have a hard time understanding if someone doesn't want to do it the way we did it or the way that we think it should be done. But there's so much power in saying, tell me more or what thoughts do you have when you think about making those phone calls? What goes through your mind when you think about prospecting? Um, What are you afraid of? Really leaning into those conversations to seek to understand the other person's perspective. I mean, there's so many studies out there that men will, will take action way before they feel ready or before they feel confident. And women want to feel more confident. And the challenge with that is we grow our confidence by taking action. And so leaders, if you're working with uh, diverse advisors, ask more questions, seek to understand, really, really listen. And I think this, this came up in a group coaching I recently had with a group of women. And it was so incredible because one woman was sharing a difficult situation she was going through. And another woman spoke up and said, hey, you don't have to go through this alone. If you want someone to talk to, reach out to us and we'll listen. doesn't mean we have to solve the problem, but we're there to listen. And I think that's a huge opportunity for leaders. I remember so often when I was working in a financial firm, I felt like as a leader, I had to have all these answers. Like I had to solve everyone's problem. Absolutely, right, yeah. And sometimes people need, they they just need to talk and they need you to listen. And um, so I think that's a big piece. And then the final, the final thing I'll say about this here, Mike, is that leaders, if you're leading a team of diverse advisors, help them celebrate more often, celebrate their wins. Like, trust me, they've already beat themselves up before they walk into a group meeting or any kind of a uh, leadership review where you're looking at their business, like they are so keenly aware of where they are versus where they want to be and where they've fallen behind. And if as leaders, we can help people, not hollow celebration, but help people celebrate 
the progress they're making, how they're better than they were last year, how this month is up from last month. It, it's certainly not always going to be perfect, but I have found that a lot of times diverse advisors don't celebrate as often as they should. Gotcha. Interesting. Fascinating. Good stuff. I, you know, I, I latched onto what you, uh, how you started that discussion saying really be reflective of why you want to be diverse or what, mm -hmm. what the what diversity means to you. Um, don't, don't, don't embrace a, a, a diverse organization just to say you have diversity, really embrace what it's, what it's going to do for your business. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Because look, it's not going to be easy. Any, any of these goals we're going after that are important goals and they're big goals, like they're going to be challenging times. And if we are really connected to that, why that's what can help us persevere during those, those challenging times. And I, I think it's also helpful uh, for leaders to take a look at uh, that's the way we've always done it. So yeah. sometimes mm -hmm. that comes up, well, well, we just do it. That's the way we've always done it. And if you're growing a diverse team, it's so important to pause and reflect. Well, why is that? And does that work for us today? And what part of the way we've always done it do we need to stay true to? And where do we have room to explore and to test some different things? Gotcha. I think that's uh, that's that very valuable insight. There is to it, are, are we doing it this way because it's always been, or do we doing it this way because it's successful? And and don't be afraid to challenge that because if it is the best way to do it, it should survive any type of challenge you can throw at it. And you can always go back to that sure. way if you test something new and you don't get the results. Well, you can always go back to that way. But I think that that's a place where a lot of leaders get really stuck is in that, well, that's the way we've always done it. And, and there's that fear of challenging and looking at things differently. But going through that growth is where you could really start to catapult some of your results growing a diverse team. Okay, good stuff. Kristen, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for sharing your insight today. Uh, great wide ranging interview that I'm sure uh, people will love on the podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, listeners, until next time, this is the Market in Motion podcast. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.